Welcome again. Since the beginning of the year, we have been talking about the call. And uh, this year, as many of you know, uh, this is our 25th anniversary year, and we're going to have a, a number of sort of waypoints throughout the year to celebrate uh, this event. Last weekend, of course, we had Archie Kendall in the evening, the first of our sort of uh, number of speakers we're going to be having uh, through the year, and that was just a tremendous event. How many of you, by the way, just came to that event on, on Sunday night? Uh, quite a few of you, yes. I mean, in fact, la to be honest with you, last weekend was, was just a phenomenal weekend. We, we had over a thousand people, uh, you know, at our services that day, and that's the most I think we've had in a very long time. Uh, but it is indicative of the way the church is growing. Of course, we had lots of friends in, but, and it's not usual for us to bust the thousand thing, but we do do it every now and then now. And that's just, again, just uh, God's blessing and providence you know, on, on what is essentially you know, a church stuffed down the back of an industrial estate. It, it's just amazing what God is doing, really. It's getting out there. It is just wonderful. So we have been celebrating the call, and of course, as you will know by now, We've been looking at Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. You can just see it on that sort of centerpiece there. Uh, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to share good news with the poor, to uh, you know, preach the good news, uh, light to the Gentiles, blind eyes see, etc., etc. Uh, and, and we have paired that verse. That verse was very much part of the mandate for planting and starting this church 25 years ago. It's remained so, so we're looking backward, but we're looking forward to God doing new things in the spirit of Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. But we have paired it. There have been a number of pairings. We have paired it because the Lord seemed to say that with Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, and we looked at this last week. You know, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we have had that sense that God has wanted to say to us, this is the year of, of favor, this is a year of favor, and so what do we do in a year of favor? We extend ourselves, we, 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 we respond to that. It's not just a case of saying, oh, isn't that, not, oh, that's so nice, it's a year of favor, oh, oh isn't that lovely? You know, it's not that, it's a, when, you, when God gives you favor, you move, that's the time to do more than just stand there and grit your teeth and tough it out. It's, a, it's, it's where you actually you know, attempt things for God. And, and uh, you know, so we, we are teaching about that, encouraging you in whatever the situations you find yourself, in your workplace, your home place, at the school gate, wherever. We're ex encouraging you to step out in faith because God is wanting to take us to a new level. We've also got some exciting things planned for the church. We, we are working towards sending out not just one, not just two, but three new church plants in September. Uh, and we're very excited about that. The T's have to be crossed. The I's have got to be dotted with Vineyard Churches UK, just that they give us the, the go-ahead. But we're looking, at, uh, we're looking currently at being, I, I think we have that. I've just got to check, but I was talking to the director of church planting this week, and he gave me the nod, and I want more than the nod, because I don't want to get in trouble. So, so we're looking forward to that, but, but also uh, this week, you might like to pray about it. We are meeting uh, with a, 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 it's a bit premature perhaps to say this, but, but we are meeting up with one or two people who are going to help us uh, to 
we hope, negotiate in ourselves into one of the other buildings here for our Compassion Children and Youth Ministry. So, uh, you know, it really is a year to kind of like take a chance and step out of the boat onto the water. So we're doing it, we want you to do it. A pairing, the favor of God, with the understanding, the appreciation that our God wants to do so more than we can even imagine, so that there might be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the story so far. I wanna just take the next 10 minutes, and that's really all the time I have, just to give you another couple of pairings. And in fact, they, they're pairings, but they do run together. One of the things that we are really beginning to focus and, and, and get clear about is this kind of kingdom, kingdom progression. It's a kingdom continuum. I don't know how best to describe it. Probably need to do some more work on that. But there is a four-point continuum to experiencing and knowing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. It begins, the first pairing, with revelation that leads to relationship. We're gonna see this in just a moment. When God switches on the light so that, you know, whereas you may have heard about God but not really given him much thought, or when God sort of, uh, you know, you, you have an encounter with him through some sort of meeting a friend, a person, or, or, or just, just, you know, out there on the beach on your own, or Verilamian Park, or Morrison's. I think I prefer the beach myself, but you know, wherever. You have an encounter where God might be said to switch the light on. We call that revelation. Revelation, it changes. It's a world shift. You know, suddenly, you know, this God who was abstract and maybe, maybe, who knows, whatever, you know, I don't know what I think, what do you think? Suddenly it gets personal and suddenly you, you begin to enter into this thing called God. Now that leads, that revelation in the Christian faith leads to relationship. It's not just you become a God believer, it actually leads into relationship with Jesus. Revelation leads to, to, to relationship. Jesus himself said, you know, I will tell you the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from all sorts of misconceptions, free from sin, free from, from things that have held you, compulsions, addictions, destructive behavior, etc., etc. If you've been a victimizer, you will be set free from that, that cycle. If you are a victim, you will be set free from the damage of that. I'm not saying that you won't wear scars. He doesn't erase your memory. It's not like a reset button. But what God does do is in relationship with him, he begins to rewrite the story of your life according to his pattern and purpose for you. So the first pairing then, revelation, leads to relationship. And the second one is that relationship, of course, means presence. And presence means power. So the two pairings, third time, fourth time I've said it, revelation leads to relationship. His presence is power. And this relationship we have with God is not a hypothetical, theoretical thing. It is a real thing. Fliss and I have been married for 40 years and some now. And we have a genuine relationship and we are in each other's presence. It's not like Skyping God in Australia. You know, you might have relatives out there and at Christmas you all get together and peer into your laptop and, you know, wish each other Happy New Year and all the rest of it. Wonders of technology, incredible that we could do that, these video links. It's not like that. When God talks about relationship, he means he is present. 
And there are certainly times when we're together when suddenly even the dullest of us or the most spiritually detuned of us begin to think, whoa. And as we enjoy and experience the presence of God, we have learnt that the presence of God means the presence of God. And God is the creator. He is the almighty, the powerful one. And for a long time, you know, the enemy has kind of lost the battle with the, with the oh, Christians are enjoying the presence. But what he did win was he divorced that, that appreciation that God's presence means power. So, you know, all over the world, Christians are going, oh, yeah, lovely sense of God's presence. So peaceful. I love going to church. It's so peaceful there. And God's presence does bring peace because when you feel like a little child, you know, is, you know, we have, you know, last Sunday we had 170 kids here. Pretty chaotic, wasn't it? It's all peaceful, you know. But, you know, every now and then you, a little accident happens, a kid falls over, and the mother or the father picks up that child and comforts. Suddenly you feel in a safe place. And it doesn't matter what's going on around you. That child feels comforted in a safe place. And when you're in a safe place, in that place, with God, suddenly you begin to realize that he is the almighty one. That's why when during the ministry time, we were kind of experimenting and playing a bit there. During that sort of worship, post-ministry, ministry, post-worship thing, I was saying, who's, who's sensing God's presence on you? And knowing that the power of God was there, I wanted to get those who needed the touch of the power of God to connect. That's why I was doing that. So these two pairings then are things that we're sort of distilling down. You know, we've been working on this for 25 years and some, and we're beginning to get clarity. And sometimes you get clarity and then you lose it again. But we are getting clear about this, that as we teach the word and preach the word and share the word with one another based on God's word, revelation comes. There are moments where suddenly you think, I get it. And as you get it, that leads you into deeper relationship. Relationship is... Releases presence, and presence is power. That's why we're seeing so many more healings. Last week, I was really struck about God restoring identity through that Helen Fellows uh, testimony. I was also really struck how the kind of healings we're seeing are healings of long-term conditions, blind in, in left eye, you know? Eczema for 22 years. Fingernails had fallen out and fingernails were restored. Just wonderful, wonderful things. Not just, I've got a headache, somebody pray for me. You know, it's just great stuff. Although if you've got a headache, we'll pray for you. I don't want to diss anybody's experience. Okay, listen, let's just uh, crack open the word of God as a friend of mine says, and I'll just hopefully just highlight one or two things arising out of this. So we've been looking at Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now let's just turn back. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 13. This is a favorite passage of mine. It's something I've been coming back to over the years. And the thing that amazes me is that every time I come back to it, God gives me more revelation. Just when I think I've got words down, you know, just when I think I've got him in a box. Yeah, Lord, thank you. I, I know that one. Ephesians 1, yeah, I got that down. Just when I think I'm there, God comes and, uh, and undoes me. And I end up in a blathering sort of mess in my, in my conservatory where I do my, a lot of my prayer study. And I'm on the mat saying, oh God, forgive me. I, you know, I thought, I, oh dear, oh gosh. And that's a good place to be. Humbly, as a son, not a slave or sniveling servant, but 
as a son, just cuddling up to God saying, oh God, I didn't know, I'm sorry. Thank you, thank you. It's a good place to be. Ephesians then chapter one, let's just crack through it. I, I, I will just highlight two or three things here which I hope will help you. What I really want you to do with this as, as with any talk, but especially this one, I'd love you to set yourself some homework. I would love you to take this passage away with you, Ephesians 1, beginning at, at verse 13, and pray about it and think about it and read it every day like a spiritual prescription in this coming week. Next week, Dennis is going to preach out of Ephesians 2 and take us a little deeper still, but in order to get the benefit of that, you need to get the benefit of this. And it'll only happen if you will work it into you and um, begin to work with and partner with the Holy Spirit for revelation. So let's, I'll give you some pointers here on these pairings that I'm talking about. And then hopefully as you read it, you will, God will come and flip the light switch. So verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. You've got it all in this, the revelation and the relationship thing. You know, it says, you know, when you believed, it was like, you know, one, you knew about it and suddenly you believe it. It's like, oh, the light goes on. And when that happens, when revelation comes to you, when suddenly you see it, it may just be a bit of it, but you see it nonetheless, then God comes and he places his seal upon you, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and others, are, this is all a bit weird and wacky and all the rest of it. Don't worry, but you do need to get prayer because you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need that confirmation, his seal upon you. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking, you know, I've, I've seen on the TV, in fact, I quite like these programs for some reason, I just do not know why, but there are a whole series of programs on the TV about sort of passport control, you know, nothing to declare, these kind of programs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, some of you. It's kind of people coming into Australia, that's one I watch sometimes, or North America, or, 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 or the Isle of Wight, you know, they're pretty tough there, um, coming into England. And there's passport control. And the one thing I've noticed about the English one is that they're on the lookout for tobacco smugglers. And, and, and all sorts of things may be happening, but they want to get the tobacco smugglers. You know. And the reason for that is, as you probably know, is that, is that outside of the EU, there, you, know, you can buy tobacco very, very cheaply. Cigarettes you know, that cost eight quid here a pack cost, you know, I don't know what they cost, 40 pence or something. And so people buy in bulk these cigarettes in those countries and then smuggle them into the country because they can sell them in the pubs and the clubs and amongst their mates at work and make, you know, you can pay for a holiday, you know. Some of these guys are coming in with thousands and thousands of packets of cigarettes, you know, stuffed in their wash bag and their underpants and goodness knows what, you know. Now, the thing is that the real deal Those that aren't, you know, contraband have a seal on them, duty paid. That's okay. 
And when we stand before the living God, and believe me, you will and I will stand before the living God. And don't, don't, I will be just as nervous as you in that moment. But the truth of the matter is there will be a, a separating of those who knew about God and those who didn't know God and those who were with God and then sort of, I don't know, whatever, make it up. But the reality will be was that what God will know and what he is looking out for in that moment is do they love Christ, my son, as their savior? Is that the, is that the very foundation of their salvation? Dennis will unpack this further next week. There's no room for anything else. RT reminded us of this last week. And do they bear the seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit? You know, is duty paid? Was it paid for you on the cross at Calvary? You know, or, or is there, are we trying to smuggle contraband into the kingdom of God? Is it the real deal or not? So there's the challenge. But, but in that little passage, you know, there's that sense of revelation. And it goes on on this theme. Paul says, verse 15, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul understands that great apostles, not just Chris Lane on a, on a, on a, something or other, Paul understands that it all begins with the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know Christ better. The light has to go on. It begins with revelation. And as that happens, as we begin to get it through, you know, through a, a sermon, a, a preach, funnily enough, preaching does it sometimes. It's extraordinary, and, but it does or through something you've read, or a Christian friend, or neighbor, or colleague at work, or maybe you've sat down and read it, but at some point, the, the revelation happens. Paul prays, I pray that you get it. Oh, God, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they might know Christ better. Everything flows out of that. And then he goes on to say in verse 18, he says, I pray, pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart, he's not praying that you might read a good book and, and gain a bit of information. That ain't going to do it. Something needs to change in the heart of men and women. Something deep within us. It says in the scriptures that the eye is the window of the soul. And here Paul talks about the eye of the heart, the very, the very innermost being. You know, you might like to come up with some sort of other idea, but we're talking about your innermost being. Your innermost being. Uh, and he's saying, I pray that, you know, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, salvation in Christ, sins forgiven, because of Christ's birth, uh, birth and death and resurrection. You know, when he died on the cross, he prays that we might really grasp what that means for us. Not just for the bad people, the naughty people, the ill-behaved people, the people whose lives are falling apart, but for us, for me. You know, he prays that and he also goes on to say, and the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. R.T. spoke about inheritance. He, you know, he said, you know, once saved, always saved, but there, are, there is a reward to be had, and the scripture is full of talk about the reward, you know? And I, for one, want to go to heaven with a reward. You know, uh, there were times when we were very short of cash and the family, 
you know, uh, we're all at home, and one year I got it into my head to do the grand tour of Europe. And so we loaded up our old Volvo estate, put all the kids in, you know, and, and I planned a 13-country tour. We spent about, you know, seven hours in some of those countries, but we did it. It was just a, it was on a mission. But the trouble was, it was, we were so skint that pretty well everywhere we went, we couldn't do anything. You know, the kids wanted to do things, and I said, oh, no, sorry, we haven't got any money for that, you know. And, uh, and actually, it was a miserable tour in the end. I remember us going to, to, to Venice, or I had, wanted to go to Venice, and Fliss will remember this, and uh, I said, come on, let's, let's, let's go mad. We'll sit in St. Mark's Square, and we'll have a, you know, a, an espresso and a, you know, an orange juice or something like that. This is, is this? I'm sorry, this is driving me crazy. Thanks, Andy. Um, but anyway, so we went into some, I don't know whether it's this or what, but do you think it's this? It's that. Give that guy a clap. So I don't know if you have done that, but I was ignorant and naive. We went into St. Mark's Square, we sat down, I had this, this rather large Italian waiter with a great big long apron. I ordered two espressos and four oranginas and they arrived and I was presented with a bill for 36 quid. <laughs> when, I didn't, when I only had about 20, 22 quid tops and that was gonna pay for our even meal as well. It nearly killed us. The point of the story is this, you know, it's no way to do the grand tour with just the sort of ferry and, and a tent. You know, you, you've got to take some money with you, otherwise it's miserable. I don't arrive in heaven and find that I lost my reward, that I got a ticket in, but I'm sort of in, in a seat right up at the back of, of the bleachers somewhere, you know, row XXX seat 224, you know, you know and everything's like, I, I don't know it'd be like that, I've got no idea. <laughs> Boy, I'm going on a weird and wonderful way today, Dennis, aren't I? Great. Um, but you know what I mean? There is a reward. There is something more than just getting to heaven in those clothes of white. And Paul prays for the church, for you, for I, that we might know the hope, know why we can be you know, full of joy because we're saved, but also know that beyond that, there's a job to be done and there's rewards to be earned. It's an exciting thought, and the scripture is full of that kind of language. The last thing I want to say before we, we wind up is this, is that once one begins to wrestle, as I already said in these pairings, with revelation, seeking God for revelation, once we begin to realize that there's relationship there, once we begin to understand that that meets out in presence with God, then we discover his power, and Paul alludes to that here. He says, verse 19, and he prays that we might know his incomparably great power for us who believe, because you know that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. We've come full circle, we brought it into land. You know, We are believing God for a year of his favor and a year where we're being encouraged to attempt whatever God sets before us and a bit more, to extend our reach because he wants to do more than we could possibly ask or imagine. And here it is in the scriptures at the beginning of this great book of Ephesians where Paul says, I really, 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 really want you to know God's power which is at work in you, which is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. 
Not some sort of little toned down thing because you might sort of explode if he touches it. No, it isn't. It's the real deal. And that's why we are excited. That's why we're beginning to extend ourselves because we seem to be seeing that God wants to take us to a new place. I'll finish with this illustration as the band comes up. You know, I, I have a number of grandchildren now and we have been enjoying these grandchildren. And, and Ace, my, uh, my daughter, granddaughter River did this, but Ace, my little 18-month-year-old grandson, really got shuffling along on his bottom down very well. Some of you mums and dads might know that. In fact, he got it down so well he could really rip along at a great old rate of knots. And there was a concern that actually having sort of got, discovered this way of getting around, that he would, there was no really motivation to sort of stand up and walk, you know. And as a parent, as a grandparent, we're, we're willing him to stand up and walk. Come on, son, you know. you know. Okay, let go, let go. I know it's a bit wobbly and all the rest of it. But yeah, yeah, oh, it's so much better, honestly. And God is like that with us. All too many people in the church have found a way of doing Christianity. We, we've, we found a way of navigating our way around and we're shuffling along in our bum with a big grin on our face and it kind of works. But God is saying to us, oh, bless you, bless you, there's so much more. Come on now, I know it feels strange. Come on, stand up, let go, take that first step. Last week I quoted St. Francis of Assisi who said, do everything necessary and do that which is possible. Before you know it, you'll be doing the impossible. Let's stand.